Well, I did that super quick here in Chesterfield. Literally just said hello and sat down. And uh, so good that we get to be together today. And um, I, re- I really believe that God wants to speak to us today. And uh, I- I'm-, I'm speaking in part four of our Summer Breeze series. And kind of the, the strap line for it is the best summer, having the best summer. But it's not just for the summer. Actually, uh, sometimes we can com- compartmentalize. I got it out. Yes. Come on. Uh, we can section, that's an easier word to say, we can section our lives into moments and seasons. But how many of us know that what happens in one season can affect the next season? That actually there are things that we take from one season that we need in the next season. And though we're in a a summer season here at Icon Church, and we've got a summer series called Summer Breeze, and I'm saying summer a lot because the sun is out, okay, Uh, it's not just for the summer. You might need what I'm about to say today in December. You, You might need what I'm about to say in 2022. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, I hear you saying. So let's open our hearts. And let's believe for God to speak to us today that could affect our future. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we get to gather under your presence, in your presence. We thank you for your promise that you are with us and that you are for us. Pray that you would speak to us right now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Let me set my countdown timer going. We don't want to be here too long. Um. The first question I've got for you, maybe you can put it in the chat. Uh, let's resurrect the chat online. And, uh, but here in the room, why don't you tell the person next to you uh, your favorite summer holiday destination? Go quickly. What is it? What is your... I know, I know. Like, I, I'm, I'm making you do it on the spot there in Rotherham. Uh, maybe you've just gone for a country. Maybe it's Spain. They're in, they're in Sheffield. Uh, maybe you're a little bit posher and you said like the Maldives, uh, whatever it is. But if I was to say to you, your favorite s- summer holiday destination, that might change when I say, what's your favorite memory as a child on holiday? Maybe the destination changes. What is your favorite summer childhood memory? Uh, re- like just last week, we were on holiday and uh, we, we went and met uh, my mum and dad and some of the family in Torquay. And just walking in Torquay, uh, I, I, I thought I recognized a place of a summer holiday memory. A memory of a car driving down the road uh, with three wheels and another wheel following it. I had this memory. I, I thought it was talky. It wasn't my grandma who would be watching. Hello, mama. Uh, assures me it was Bridlington, uh, that amazing holiday destination. Bridlington. Come on, up the brid. Um, all of that. But memories, you know, just then I, I shared that memory. And that memory created a picture in your mind. You began to picture that memory in your mind. It actually brought you into the story, even though you weren't there. 
even though you weren't there. Let me mention some more holiday memories. I have a memory of being on holiday. I can't remember where it was, but my birthday actually happened while we're on holiday. And uh, we'd met a family there, and I just remember this moment of a birthday cake outside the pool, and my mum's mouth into me, it was Corfu. And uh, I have this memory of uh, just a birthday cake there, and just great celebration with this family we'd made friends with on holiday. You know, those friends that you make on holiday. You get all those. Again, you're picturing, what does that look like? All of us. Let me, let me mention a couple of others. Uh, like one of my favorite memories is when my dad hired a moped. I'm just going to let that sit in your memory. You're picturing it right now. Our lead pastor Paul on a moped. He even came back off that holiday and thought about buying a moped. I mean, in traffic, it get you quicker to Sheffield. Who knows? Like a hairdryer. Uh, going. But I remember being on the back of that moped and hanging on for dear life in moments. Oh, oh, oh there's another memory. Again, you, you're seeing it. You're picturing it. There's another memory. We made some more friends on holiday. And um, th- this guy looked very much like Sasha Baron Cohen, if you know. And, uh, and uh, we made friends with him. And, and uh, one day, I think we went down to the beach and he hired a pedalo for me and my brother Josh and him to go on. And we went out on this pedalo and we're drifting out into the sea. We're having a whole load of fun and we're just drifting. And all of us, the next thing we know, we've come to the edge. You know, like the boys that, you know, like you're not meant to exit those boys. Well, we tried to push the boundaries. You're, you're picturing it, aren't you? You're thinking this is cheeky Nathan happening all over again. We tried to push the boundaries. We got to the edge. We got to one of these boys and we pedal. We forget that the boys have rope attached to them and the rope gets caught in the pedal. We're stuck. So we are like shouting for help whilst laughing at the same time because we thought it was amazing. We are shouting for help, laughing. The guy comes across and like he didn't speak much English and all we got out of him is my ballooners, my ballooners. This was it. Eventually we got back. You're picturing it. You see, all of those memories brought you into the stories of my life. All of those moments. We see it all over the Bible in the Old Testament. We see that there are moments, there are places that monuments get set up, sets of rocks that get set up. There are moments where people would travel and a set of rocks would be and they would go, this is where God did this. There's a memory and what that did is it taught the generations and it taught people, hey, here's what God did. And it brought those people into the memory of what God did. So what memories have you got today? What are the memories that you've got? What are the memories that maybe you've even forgotten or pushed to the back of your mind? The memories of where God has been at work in your life. The memories where God provided where it seemed like there was no way. The memory of when it seemed like I was down and out, but God picked me up and lifted me out. And actually I have a future and I have a life because what God has done for me. It's the memories of God. But what about other people's stories as well? What, what about your friends and your family and people you know? Other people's stories of where God has been at work, what God has done. 
how often do we forget about those memories? Do, do other people's memories or other people's faith, has that built my faith or do I dismiss them? You see, we have a moment in scripture that here in Chesterfield and online we've already heard about, a moment which created a memory in a boy's life that would last forever. A moment of memory where he would tell everybody. Like you can imagine, like this boy with his lunch, five loaves and two fish would go around telling everyone. Let's read the story together. And I know you know this story if you've been around church. Maybe you even know this story if you've not been around church, but don't switch off because you know it. I believe God can reveal something to us today. A bit brand new. Let's read uh, this story. And so it's found in John 6, verses 1 to 14. And it says this, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Philip could do some quick maths. Or maybe it took him a while and it doesn't give us that. Another of his disciples, Andrew, who is Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. And the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks. And distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. You see, I, I wonder if the boy was stood here today, what he would say, how he would frame this memory, how he would bring us into this story, how, how we would begin to picture it that actually this is the story, this is the memory that the boy has. What would it include and what would it include that could build our faith, but also what would it include that actually he'd want to say to us today that would actually help us to move forward in our lives? That memory of the boy bringing his five loaves and two fish, how would that build each and every one of our lives? How would that happen? What would that memory look like? Well, I think probably the first thing that we'd find out is that this, that he'd say, I was asked. I was asked. Now, it doesn't tell us how he was asked. It doesn't tell us whether Andrew, who is Simon Peter's brother, like saw him with his lunchbox and thought, like, I've got to get him and had a little chase around and I need your lunch and all of that. It doesn't tell us that. But it doesn't tell us that he didn't offer it up. But he was asked. There was a moment where he was asked. 
whether that was an ask of the whole crowd, whether that was an ask of just seeing the lunch. You see, like when I was reading the story, we see that Jesus saw the need. So I kind of suggest that there was only a boy with some food. There was only the boy with five loaves and two fish because Jesus knew what was there. And Jesus knew what he was going to do. He already had in mind, it says in the scripture, he already had in mind what he was going to do. And he was going to do it because he was going to show us today that actually God is going to ask us for something. God is going to come and he's going to ask us. Like all over scripture, it tells us to be obedient. It tells us to uh, follow what God says. God is going to ask us of something. He's going to ask us to sacrifice something at some point in our Christian walk in our life. Imagine that moment when the boy was asked, what would go through his mind? Probably what goes through all of our minds when we get asked, will this make a difference? It's five loaves and two fish. Is this going to make a difference? But what about me? I'm hungry as well. Like I'm hungry. I'm a growing boy. Like I'm hungry as well. I wonder if he has the same thoughts the same doubts, the same moments when he's asked for his lunch that we would have when Jesus says to us, hey, would you offer it up? Would you release it? Would you do it to see the kingdom come? Because there's an ask for each and every one of us. All over scripture, there's, this, there's lots of farming terminology and one of the biggest Uh, farming terminologies are one of the biggest pictures that gets shown to us is this whole thing of planting seed. I want to highlight some verses in 1 Corinthians actually where Paul uh, talks to the Corinthians and he says in 1 Corinthians 3 verses 6 to 9 he, he says this, I planted the seed. So they're having an argument here okay, about who they're following, the Corinthians. I follow Paul, I follow Apollos. And, and, and Paul's like, you're stupid, listen to this. Like, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So, so like, that, that's just that first verse. So here's my thing. God's asking me to plant some seeds. God's asking me to water some seeds, and he'll cause them to grow. So, hey, it doesn't matter how much it is, like what I've got, what God is asking me of me, here it is, here's my lunch. It might look insignificant, but guess what? I'm going to plant it and I'm going to water it and God will make it grow. He goes on to say, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. It's to God be the glory. See, the man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, plant and water. And each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. I love these verses because it shows us that, yes, it's God who gives the increase. Yes, it's to God be the glory. Yes, it's for his kingdom to come. But guess how he does it? He does it by using each and every one of us to be co-laborers, co-workers, not servants, not people in the background. No, co. I love that. 
Because it's not like God's on a, he is on a different level to us. But here he's going, no, I'll come to your level and we'll be co-laborers, co-workers with God who's going to build something. But here's the thing. We've got to respond to the ask. We've got to respond to the ask. You see, right now I'm planting the word of God into your heart. Why? Because I'm believing that it will reap harvest into each and every single person's life, whether they're in Sheffield and Rotherham, online, here in Chesterfield. I'm believing it will reap a harvest. I'm planting today or releasing today is a confidence in tomorrow. It's a confidence into tomorrow. It's a hope for tomorrow. It's saying there's a tomorrow. Do you see beyond today? Do you have a hope? Do you have a vision? Because what you sow is what you reap. We're all sowing something. Now, many times when we talk about this, we can all think of planting stuff and sowing stuff and releasing stuff into Jesus' hand. And many times we come back to maybe finances or, and, and that's an aspect. But there are many things that we will sow. We're all sowing something at, in all of our lives at all times. You know, you may even be, be sowing things that aren't great. Might be sowing discord and gossip and you might even be sowing, you know, all, all of those things that we don't want to sow. Because whatever you sow, you will reap. Everything in your life is a seed. You're going to sow it. But I want to be a person who sows encouragement. Because I'll reap courage. I want to be a person who sows joy. Because I'll reap strength. I want to be a person who sows unity. Because I'll reap peace. I want to be a person who sows forgiveness because I'll reap freedom. So my question to us today, and maybe from the boy's memory, I was asked, what's God asking you to plant? What's God asking you today there in Sheffield to release into his hands? What's he asking you to plant in Rotherham there and there? What are you placing? I think we underestimate the power of the seed or the power of our five loaves and two fish because it seems small and it can seem puny and it can seem insignificant by itself. And so we end up trying to keep stuff and when I've got and when I've got this. But guess what? The power is when we plant and release it, the power becomes in the potential of what God can do with it. And it has to be released today. I don't want us to underestimate what God can do just based on what we might have in our hands. But today, let's believe that God can bring about a miracle. Uh, we were recently at somebody's house and uh, uh, like these, like Zion says, these doors are huge, like massive. Like compared to our doors, they're massive. These doors are huge. And I just got thinking, yeah, but it's, it's a small key that opens a big door. It's a small key that opens a big door. It's a small lunch that feeds a multitude. It's a small seed that you then reap a harvest. 
Maybe today God is asking for something that might seem small and might seem insignificant. But today, as you release it, it will open some big doors wide open. See, there's a great parable, parable of the talents, where a guy gives one talent to one guy and uh, two talents to another guy and five talents to another guy. And I haven't got time to read the story, but basically the, the, the guy with five talents multiplies them to 10 and the guy with two talents multiplies it to four. And it comes, they come back to their master and the master says, well done, well done. It's amazing. But the guy with one talent just hit it. And I knew you were a hard master. And, and in that story, Jesus says, and the master says to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you can read it. It's... And he gives the one talent to the one who multiplied the five. Why? Because faith multiplies. Faith multiplies. And maybe the only way for us to multiply is to release it. So the boy would say to us today, hey, I was asked. We're all going to be asked. God is going to ask us because we're co-laborers. He's going to ask us to plant something. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now. Stop waiting. Start planting. The second thing is this. I heard Jesus give thanks. As I was reading this story, I thought in the boy's memory, to bring us into the story. You see, we've all got a picture of the boy handing his lunch to Jesus. But then what the boy is going to see is Jesus give thanks for the lunch. For five loaves and two fish. Jesus is going to give thanks. For my little lunch. Jesus is going to give thanks. I don't know if you're getting it yet. But you'll place some things in Jesus' hands and he's going to give thanks for what you've placed in his hands. He's going to give thanks and he's going to hold it up. He doesn't have to look up to heaven because he's already in heaven. But he's there in heaven and he's giving thanks and he's saying, hey, we're going to bless this. We're going to cause this to multiply. We're going to cause this to grow. But he heard Jesus give thanks. For the little, or so it seemed so little, he gave thanks. I love these verses that uh, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, verses 16 to 18. And he says this, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. I don't know, but I find it hard to give thanks in all circumstances. Anyone with me today? I hear you in Rotherham. Like, I find it hard to give thanks in all circumstances. Because all circumstances aren't all good. But God can make, turn them to good. You see, I, like, if Jesus gave thanks, I've got to give thanks. If Jesus gives thanks for what seems maybe insignificant, what seems small in comparison to the harvest or the field or the multitude that he's got to feed, like people would tell us that 
the counting was 5,000 men, but you're not counting women and children, like it'd be anywhere upwards of 10,000, probably closer to 15,000 people. Five loaves and two fish, and Jesus is giving thanks, and there's 15,000 people, like, all the people who are control freaks now are thinking, no, we need to go to the shop to buy some more food. I can see the nodding heads on the front rows of the control freaks. But maybe there are some times we have to give it to God. And we've got to plant a seed. And we've got to water a seed. And we've got to give thanks for the seed. And God is going to bring about the increase. Maybe sometimes I've been trying my strength. And I've been trying and trying and trying and trying. And just like Philip said, even eight months wages would not feed this multitude. Maybe we've done the maths. And the maths don't add up. But God's saying, hey, if you'll plant the seed... And let's give thanks for it. There'll be an increase. There'll be something that takes place. Because giving thanks produces something in our lives. I want you to write this down. It's going to come up on the screen. Your giving thanks for blank produces the love you show for blank. You could put anything in there. You're giving thanks for your spouse produces the love you show for your spouse. Please don't, why are people nudging there? Hope you're not. In Sheffield, you're giving thanks for your kids. Hey, kids, just be quiet. Produces the love you show for your kids. You're giving thanks for Whatever it may be, produces the love you show for. And here it tells us to give thanks in all circumstances. I'm not waiting for something to happen to give thanks for it. I'm not waiting for the miracle to happen to give thanks for it. I, I love the moments in our services, the end of the songs, we give thanks to God for what he's doing. I love the moments of the praise reports where we give thanks to God for what he's done in people's lives. But I also love that moment when we pray and we say things like, hey, we're believing today that these prayer requests will become praise reports. And we give thanks. Why? Because we're even giving thanks that these prayer requests can see a miracle take place. And we're going to give thanks that God is a healer, that God is at work today, that God is moving. And we're placing in it God's hand and we're saying, God, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. Let's see heaven come to earth through each and every one of these situations. So we're going to give thanks for it. You're giving thanks for your church will produce the love you show for your church. You're giving thanks for your friends will produce the love you show for your friends. Are you waiting to give thanks? Are, are, are we waiting for that contractual relationship where when they do something, I'll give thanks? Or are we giving thanks even if they don't do anything, even if it doesn't happen. If you're not expressing thanks, you'll not show love. And then the final thing that I think the boy would highlight for us today in his memory was this. I saw a miracle and there were leftovers. 
I saw a miracle. I brought my Minecraft lunchbox and it fed close to 15,000 people. It's not mine, honestly. I saw a miracle, but there were leftovers. There was more than enough. There was way more than was needed in that moment. In that moment, Jesus took my lunch and it produced a miracle for others. Not just for me, but for others. It produced a miracle for each and every single person who was there who had followed Jesus. It produced a miracle. My lunch, as I placed it in Jesus' hands, as I heard him give thanks for it, my lunch, I saw a miracle, but then I saw the disciples collecting and there were leftovers. Twelve, twelve basketfuls of leftovers. I don't know why there were leftovers, maybe the boy would say. But we know why, because the disciples were going to go on a journey and they needed some food. Jesus even says in those verses, he says, hey, let nothing be wasted. It wasn't waste. No, the leftovers were there for a reason. But I think the boy would say to us that we can trust in Jesus, that Jesus doesn't just give us enough. He'll give us more than enough. He'll provide not just for this moment, but he'll provide for our future as well. Like in that moment, he's not just providing for the crowd that's there, but he's also thinking about the disciples who are going to go on a journey. They're going to go on a journey together and they're going to need some food. From five loaves and two fish, from my small lunch, the boy would say, there was a miracle. I saw a miracle, but there were some leftovers. I want to say to you today that as you'll place your five loaves and your two fish, that it'll cause a miracle not just for you, but for the people around you you, for the people on your row, for the people in your connect group, for your people in other campuses, for those there in Rotherham and Sheffield, for every single person it'll do it, but then it'll cause some leftovers to spill out for somebody else's future as they walk into it. I saw a miracle. There we go. I'm online. That was a miracle. See, Jesus can take what we have and produce a harvest far greater than we can ask or imagine. Ephesians 3 and verse 20. It's a key verse for us as Icon Church. God can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. God can do it, but there'll be an ask. Will you allow that power to be at work? There'll be an ask. We allow God to work through your life. There'll be an ask. Will you give thanks even though it might seem small and insignificant? But hey, guess what? Some big doors will open by a small key. Will you respond to the ask? Will you give thanks for it? And believe, hey, we'll see a miracle. But not just for what we need. Hey, there'll be leftovers. There'll be more than we could ask or imagine because nothing is wasted with Jesus. I want to go back to those verses that Paul wrote where he said, hey, Paul planted seed. 
I, Paul, planted seed, Apollos watered it, but God gave the increase. It all happened, yes, because a boy was willing to respond to the ask, but it all happened because of Jesus. He placed his lunch in Jesus' hands. I really felt today that God would ask of us something. Maybe even over the next week or next month, God is going to ask you for something and you're going to feel like it doesn't match up to the need or to what I'm wanting to see happen or to see God's kingdom come. But he's going to say, hey, if you'll do it, you'll respond to the ask and you'll give thanks. Believe there'll be a miracle that takes place in each and every single person's life. There'll be an ask where to give thanks and we'll see a miracle and there will be leftovers. See, this boy's memory, I hope today, just like I shared those memories at the start, have brought you into the story. But I don't, I don't, I hope that just as like you'd forget my stories of holidays, maybe you'll remember some because maybe they made you laugh. Maybe your picture of our lead Pastor Paul on a moped will never leave your mind. <laughs> Who knows? But I'm praying today that the boy's memory would never leave our mind. That this moment would never leave our mind. That as we think, as we <laughs> moments where we even just get out bread and we go five loaves and two fish, there's going to be an ask. Let me give thanks. I'm going to see a miracle and there'll be some leftovers today I believe for each and every one of us that that memory will be ingrained in our lives.